0: Welcome to Conscious Parents Thriving Kids, a place for all things parenting. I am your host, Sue DeCaro. Today I'm pleased to introduce my special guest, Julie Lithcott Haymes. Julie roots for humans. Humans need agency in order to make their way forward. Julie is deeply interested in what impedes us. She's the New York Times best-selling author of How to Raise an Adult, an anti-helicopter parenting manifesto which gave rise to one of the top TED Talks of 2016 and now has over 4 million views. Her second book is a critically acclaimed and award-winning prose poetry memoir, Real American, which illustrates her experience with racism and her journey towards self-acceptance. She is a former corporate lawyer and Stanford dean, and she holds a BA from Stanford, a JD from Harvard, and an MFA in writing from California College of the Arts. She lives in the San Francisco Bay Area with her partner of over 30 years, their two teenagers, and her mother. Welcome, Julie. So happy to have you here today.
1: Hi, Sue. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really looking forward to our conversation.
0: Me as well. I'm a huge fan of your book and your work and your talks on how to raise an adult. In a previous meeting, we had chatted about some of the challenges that parents face today and how important that we shift this perspective. I would love to dive in and talk about some of the most important issues there. Can you share with our listeners why we need to look at our children from the standpoint of quote-unquote raising an adult and how that might differ from the common practices that we might engage in now?
1: Yeah, Sue, well first of all, thank you for always being such a huge fan and supporter. I really appreciate it and and Uh, really respect the work you do. So it's just fun for me to get to be here with you and your listeners today. Um, I think the the difference between raising an adult and raising a child really boils down to uh, time. If we're focused on raising an adult, we're thinking about the long term. We're thinking about that little person one day being 25 or 30 years old. Um, And it allows us to stretch our Uh, our minds to that point. What do I imagine this child will need to be capable of doing in order to thrive out there in the world as a 25 or 30 year old? And what am I doing in the present to make that opportunity for thriving more likely to eventuate rather than uh, raising my child in a way that means they'll forever be a child and forever dependent upon me. If we, if we think of, of just being in the moment with this child around this childhood um, without contemplating the adult years, um, we may forget that our task is really to impart in this child all the skills they're going to need to know, all of the habits they're going to need to cultivate if they are gonna be able to survive without us. That's the imperative we must never let go of. Our child, if we're successful as parents, it's because we've raised this person from childhood to a place where they can fend for themselves as adults because we will be gone one day and we don't want our offspring to be bewildered when they finally have to do the tasks of living for themselves. And I think taking this longer view Um, uh, reminds us that it really isn't about today. It's about the long-term. Today, things will go wrong. Lessons will be learned. Things will be fumbled and bumbled and whatnot. All of those are the lessons learned that will actually allow this child to one day be that freestanding adult who can fend for themselves.
0: I love that. And what that makes me think of is we can actually reflect every day on what we have offered our child in terms of these skills and experiences through every challenge. I know in my own experiences, I had a lot of challenges, but when I reflect back every single challenge helped my child to learn something and grow through that for adulthood.
1: Yeah. Can I offer you an example that I'm experiencing in this very moment? I would love it. Please do. With one of my children slash young adults um so my kids are now for any listener who doesn't know i'm this you know i've, I've written this book on the harm of helicopter parenting uh, but lest you think i'm i'm this finger wagging critic um i'm actually fully um embracing the fact that unfortunately i'm a helicopter parent too i was concerned about what i was seeing with the college students i worked with it led me to be someone who really was concerned about helicopter parenting but then realized oh no i'm one of them i'm i'm doing with my young kids the same kinds of behaviors i'm criticizing at the college level and that's what really became um the impetus for writing my book i'm i'm part of the problem i'm writing about look what we're doing so that's my confession to your listeners and just my invitation actually to say hey you know I'm, my advice comes from living it so to the present moment my 19 year old actually he just turned 20 two days ago my 20 year old son wow um just finished his sophomore year of college he's planning to take a year off to work and live uh in the community where his college is located which is not where we live so he's going to be on his own and we're 100 percent supportive of that conceptually we're excited we expect him to earn his keep pay his bills all of that and we came to appreciate that that's a pretty jarring transition to go from home to college where a residential college where all of his needs are largely met to living on his own with a bunch of people his own age. And we realized if he's to be successful out there this fall, we need to do more at home this summer to, to help him prepare for that. He has a full time job this summer and we came to realize, look, if we make him, if we buy the food, if we go to the grocery store and buy the food and make him the food that he would take to his job, um, he's not learning this tough task of budgeting for food, going to the grocery store, planning the time of day when you do that, keeping your groceries fresh, keeping them stocked. Um, You know, my son knows how to make food, make himself meals. That's not the piece I'm focusing on. Um, What we decided to do was to say, hey, look, You've got to go to this full time job. We want you to make sure you're responsible for your own breakfast and your own lunch, not just preparing them in our kitchen every day, but being the person to go to the Safeway to get the things you're going to need to plan out for the week and so on. And we've now been at this for about eight days. And we watched him this weekend struggling with, oh my gosh you know, the bread that I bought last week is moldy. I'm out of fruit. Da, da, da. I don't feel like going to the store. And we just sort of looked at him and smiled. We're like, yeah, I know. It's frustrating, isn't it? Really feel for your kid. Loving, loving language, loving intentions, but we're not rescuing him from that. We want to, right? The mother in me wants to say, oh baby, I'll go to the store for you, particularly because my son doesn't drive. So, this is biking to the Safeway, about a mile and a half from our house, you know, with a backpack so he can put the grocery bags inside. My motherly heart wants to fix it for him, but taking in the moment, this gets back to the child today versus the adult, you know, next year or in 20 years, whenever it is, right? Um, the mother today wants to say, "I will handle it. I'll take care of it." Of course, but parenting for the long term, trying to ensure my kid will be successful when he leads our house, I know that the lesson he needs to learn is, "Yep, I need to. If I don't go to the Safeway, I won't have the food I need. I'm going to be hungry in the middle of the week. Maybe I ought to opt for the short-term hassle of going to get the stuff that I want, even though I'd rather, you know, sit here on the couch and read a book, um, so that I can look after my needs." So I am in the thick of this with this 20-year-old, um, and really cringing at times, smiling at times, laughing at times, you know, crying at times, you know, just watching him develop his wings and trying to not overdevelop them for him. He's got to do the work himself. I hope that's making sense. I realized I rambled, but um that's that's my most present example of what all of this looks like.
0: It's it's totally making sense and I I love this story because for so many reasons it highlights a lot. Our children are learning how to financially manage their day-to-day, moment-to-moment lives and also feeding themselves and preparing and planning. That's all part of it. And I love how you're sharing your own work with this in your day-to-day life. I think that's huge because we're all living this. We're all living this. We're all navigating. We may be at different levels of consciousness with it and different levels of abilities and stepping back, But we're all working through this, I think, as parents and looking at our children through a different lens and trying to help them be the adult they're going to be by learning things today. I have a very similar situation, just teaching financial responsibility to my 21-year-old who is also home this summer and actually working in an internship where she's Spending money and not making any money because it's it's there's no payment And she has to pay for parking and drive a half an hour to get there So we talk about how to make up the difference with a part-time job and be able to do all and balance all successfully And I think there's so many Key ingredients and I know you talk about this in your book But building resilience in our children is one element, not fixing all their troubles and trials and tribulations, but being able to help them to learn what resilience looks like and advocacy looks like and navigating those daily challenges looks like in their own lives by the examples that come to them and us just helping them and serving them in a way that moves them forward, not fixing it and solving it and putting a Band-Aid on it. Yeah. correct
1: yeah i'm and I'm hearing brene Brown's wisdom uh coming through in in your words right now sue so, you know she's our our she's i i think of her as our one of our biggest thought leaders on um resilience and um being empathetic with somebody when they're experiencing a difficulty um she's got a great quote about um you know with a parent and child you you The parent says to the child, I can't take your pain away, but I can sit here with you as you experience it. And I think our impulse these days um, in modern day, middle to upper middle class and wealthy parenting is to try to take the pain away or make sure the pain never happens at all. But there's so many life lessons that are learned because of the pain, lessons that make the person stronger and better able to withstand the bigger challenges to come. That's what resilience is is that's what resilience means, and you're absolutely right you know i I wanted to to prevent my child from experiencing the discomfort, the frustration, um, but I was able to summon the language um, which was you know. Empathy. I I know this is frustrating. I know this is frustrating, and I I feel that it's hard for you, and and I can't even begin to imagine how hard because I'm 51 and I have long forgotten, you know, when I was first learning these things. But um, my kid has ADD on top of it all, which makes all of this planning and preparation a challenge. All the more reason to want him to develop the ability, though, right? So, if I I try to take an empathy plus empowerment approach empathize with the language i know this must be hard i'm so sorry that you're struggling and then empowerment is you know um but i'm confident you're going to get there i'm confident you're going to be able to do it really well one day and you're not going to be able to do it really well here at the outset but you have to start and it's going to be baby steps but you know i believe in you and i I know you're going to get there and i'm and i'm here rooting for you And boy, does that take a a whole lot of emotional wellness on the part of the parent, because if we're insecure and unwell and unhealthy, we make it about us. Oh, no, he can't do this. It's my fault. I need to fix it. You know, it looks bad on me if my kid can't do that. All of the I, 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 I ego stuff coming out of our own psyche can really get in the way of us allowing our child to walk this life path and have the experiences they need to have that will strengthen them and make them successful in the future.
0: That's brilliantly said. And I think those three words that you pointed out, empathy, compassion, and empowerment are things that I see every day in my coaching practice that parents are striving for. They may not know they're striving for when they originally come to me, but through the work we do together, empowering our kids by believing in them is enormous. Every child needs to be seen, heard, and valued. And I think part of that, seeing them, hearing them, and valuing them, is also believing in them with with language that shows them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I'm going to be super honest with you um, and your listeners, and I really want to be, um, there was an event, there was a conversation just yesterday around this that did not go well. Um, so I've kind of glossed over it <laughs> um, that it ultimately went well. The truth was um, I initially reacted with a bit of, um, you know, he was frustrated, didn't want to go. And I said to him, okay, I'll make you a deal. You know, I'll take you this week. He didn't want to bike to the store. I'll take you this week, but you have to, you know, I want to see a better attitude out of you next week and you're going to do it. And I realized as I was saying it, like I'm rescuing him. I shouldn't be doing this. This is counterproductive. Um, I also had a bit of edge in my voice, which probably sounded like judgment, fear, or worry. And he got frustrated and was just like, I'm going out for a walk, you know, and left. At which point my 17-year-old daughter paused what she was doing and said, Mom, Dad, I think what my brother needs right now is people who are rooting for him, not judging him. This is hard for him. And, you know, I just want to be sure that he knows that we're in his corner and that you know, and all of a sudden, look, I'm like, trying not to cry as I relay this to you, Sue. My 17-year-old daughter was showing up as the wisest one in the room and reminding us of what, you know, I'm able to now articulate to you and your listeners. I knew that what she was saying was absolutely right. So when my son walked back in, I said, you know what, honey? I want to apologize for how that conversation played out for my role in it you know i I used a tone that was critical and and was based on worry and judgment and fear and what I want you to know is I believe in you and I love you and I know you can do this so i I, I ended up circling back around with the right language uh, thanks to the wisdom of my very observant daughter who rarely pipes up and says anything like that she's She's a great kid, a great young, wo- young woman, um, but boy, she was paying attention. And if, in case I needed any further proof, like the kids are always paying attention. Mm-hmm. This was the younger one who I thought was just on Instagram. She was noting every single aspect and decided to step up and advocate, not just for her brother, but for a better family dynamic that would ultimately uh, prove to be more productive. And my son just responded so beautifully um, to that apology and just leaned in and just kind of nuzzled my neck and said, thank you, mom. And, you know, um, and I'm feeling better about things and I'm definitely going to go to the store. I want to get that taken care of and blah, blah, blah. You know, it was just, it all turned in the right direction.
0: Wow. I have chills. Thank you for sharing that. And you know, it's, it's good to know you're human, Julie. (laughs) And I think that, you know, for our listeners, sometimes, When we do this work or we write the books that you have written, people don't necessarily realize that we are human, too. And part of being human is to step into the muck occasionally and be able to move through it, which your daughter is learning and has learned so much through you and from you Mm. that she was able to remind you of the way in which you wanted to be, probably. And just miss the mark in that moment. And I think that's just a huge testament to your entire family that everyone is picking up the vibration, the energy, and what you teach and write about all over the world and reminding you when you step off course, which as a human being, we do step off course. We all step off course, but to be able to circle back and apologize is also another opportunity for your children to learn from you and also to be in that fold of belief again when we step away from it. So there's so many opportunities in that example that are so important to highlight and I appreciate your vulnerability in sharing that with us because I think again it's huge.
1: Yeah. Yeah, thanks for reflecting that back to me. I appreciate it.
0: So Parents who are listening who may believe that they are a little bit of a helicopter parent or maybe a lot of a helicopter parent, what would you suggest they do as maybe an initial, an initial shift or initial perspective change to bring more conscious approaches to life? What would be your first suggestion for them? Because obviously we can't shift our whole parenting uh, paradigm you know, on its head overnight. So what would be a good first step?
1: Yeah, I actually deployed this step yesterday. Um, This is wisdom I learned from a mother who wrote me probably three or four months ago. Um, And she told me a story. She said, "Julie, I have two sons. One is my biological son. I gave birth to him and the, the other is a son I adopted. And the biological son came first. The adopted son is younger. I love them both fiercely. My Older son, the biological son, has had some real difficulties and has been in a therapeutic boarding school toward the end of high school, so he doesn't live with us. We have regular family therapy. And in therapy recently, my son was able to tell me that, mom, every time you remind, nag, fix stuff going on in my life, it makes me feel that you think I'm not competent or capable or that I don't care about what's happening in my own life. So with therapy, that son had been able to really summon that language and that and that clarity, and he shared it with his mother, who was now emailing me. And she said, Julie, I realize he was 100% right. This is work that I need to do. Um, I realize I'm trying to fix and mold and shape and handle everything in his life because he's my biological son, and I feel that his outcomes reflect poorly or, or well on me because he's got my genes. Whereas with my adoptive son, I love him just as fiercely, but because he's not genetically related to me, I don't feel that his outcomes reflect either poorly or well on me. They're all his. This is her philosophy, right? So I'm, she's just having this aha moment, like I'm actually able to be a better mother to my, my adopted son because I don't feel the need to fix and control uh, his circumstances and outcomes. And I thought there's a lot of wisdom in that. If we could all bring a bit of psychological distance to parenting, instead of this psychological intertwinedness where your life is effectively mine, your outcomes make me look good or bad. If we could take that step back and just insert a little bit of distance between Our life and our child's life, um, then we can give our children the room they need to breathe and dream and try and fail and pick themselves back up and learn the lesson. So you know, it's it's hard to sort of advise people like treat your kid as if you know it's your adopted son instead of your biological son. Again, the love is no different, but just the degree of control this mother felt. The way that I've been able to extrapolate it is treat your try to treat your kid as if they're your best friend's kid. You know, your best friend has a kid. You've seen them grow up since they were little. When you go over to their house or they come over to yours, you're like, hey, kid, how you doing? How's life? Tell me what's good. And the kid starts to open up and talk because they trust you. You're a trusted adult. And then they say, oh, but I'm doing really terribly in chemistry. You don't feel the need to call the chemistry teacher. You don't feel the need to get them on Khan Academy to get them better at chemistry. You don't feel the need to do the chemistry homework for them as you might with your own kid, right? Instead, you say, Wow, tell me more about it. How's that going? You know, can I help at all? Or, you know, let me know if I can help. And, you know, I'm sure you'll figure it out. Go talk to your teacher. You, know, you give them advice, you give them loving guidance, you empathize and empower, but you don't feel the need to fix. So it is this psychological distance. It feels paradoxical, I know, because you're thinking, Wait a minute, I'm supposed to love and protect this child and do, you know, and be for them everything they need until they can do for themselves. And so in your mind, you may think that that's this kind of enclosure, this sort of wrap around your arms, your heart, your body, just holding this kid. The point is, no, you've actually got to remove your hands and give a little distance. And so your child can get to be more and more of their own person. Um, That's the psychological shift that needs to to be made if we're overparenting, and that little trick, think of them as your best friend's kid, might be enough to remind you of how you would show up for that kid versus the extent to which you might be really hovering, almost suffocating, uh, stifling your own child's uh, independence.
0: And I think that's a great example because your best friend's child will share with you because of how you're showing up. Right. And so many parents, as I'm sure you've experienced, feel like their children won't share or don't share with them Mm -hmm. but it is the hovering sometimes and the fixing and the solving and maybe even the lack of belief that make children shut down sometimes and not share the true nature of their lives what's truly going on what they're truly feeling Mm -hmm. so i think this psychological distance that you mentioned is very powerful it's a very powerful step to step back because only when we step back can we truly see our child, number one, actually see who they are in the world. Watch them as they navigate for themselves, not as we navigate for them and they sit in the back seat. And secondly, I think it helps us to see what they're capable of. We do not know if our children are capable of tying their own shoes if we've never given them permission. And I know you know that's talking about very young children, But it's true of every stage and every agent stage of development is we don't know what they're capable of if we're always doing for them. And I stepped back several years ago and I I find it amazing to watch my children's capabilities and light shine. Even if they're not sure how to navigate, they start to figure it out. Instead of me reading everything and filling out forms and solving all of the things that come their way. I think that that stepping back is just one of the biggest gifts we can give a child to see who that child is, allow that child to go forth in the world day-to-day, moment-to-moment, and really show us what they're capable of.
1: Mm. Yeah, beautiful.
0: Well, we could go on for hours because <laughs> we're both so passionate and fueled by this. And I, you know, I love what you shared and the stories that you shared, I think, will be very inspiring for all of our listeners. So as we close, I'd love to share your website with our listeners, which is www.JulieLithcottHames.com. And I will share that as well. In writing so people can check out your website and I would love to ask you to share any final wisdom parting words thoughts that you have that our listeners could hear.
1: Mm, so time flew. Um, there's a lot of practical stuff on the website so I appreciate your directing people to it. Um, I've got you know the four steps for building uh, any skill in a kid, uh, first you do it for them, then you do it with them, then you watch them do it, then they do it completely independently. I kind of mapped that out on the website, the three things you can stop doing right now if you if you feel you sort of recognize yourself in these examples we're giving. Um, the two things that matter most, and then something I call the one-week cleanse. That's, that's all on the front page of the website. So folks, please do check it out if this is in any way resonating with you. Um, I think what I'll leave folks with his, it is a humbling task to get to be an older human, trying to help a younger human make their way in life. And I think when we can bring a profound respect for the universe or God or however you feel we all get here, if you can sort of bring a, a profound respect for the magic and mystery of all this and for the joy um that you get to be that that mom that dad that person who gets to be alongside these young people becoming their grown up selves it really will take your breath away the beauty of it the magic the mystery yes sometimes it's maddening yes sometimes it's mysterious um but um boy what a gift What a gift it is to get to be a parent. And when we do the work on our own selves and can bring a parent who is psychologically well, uh, do the work, figure out where your insecurities are, figure out why you need to be so needed by your child, figure out why you need their outcomes to reflect well on you. When you're actually whole, healthy, and well in your own self, because you have done the work and continue to do the work, then you're offering the child the best possible advisor and guide in the form of a parent It's not about you at all. It's about this child becoming who they are. And the more we can do our work, uh, the more well we can be, the more we can get out of our kids' way and and in so doing, help them become the healthy, thriving adults they so desperately want to be.
0: That's beautiful. And kids come into this world just fine. It's us adults that tend to put added stress and pressure in every which way. This is beautiful. Thank you so much for being on the show. It has been an honor and a pleasure to have you. And thank you all for joining us today. Remember, every moment is a new moment for Conscious Connections. Thanks for listening to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend.